any woman who is afraid to put their hat in the ring, to raise their hand for the project, to pitch their boss, you just have to freaking ask. <laughs> you don't need more time, you don't need more work, you just need bigger balls is what I say. Welcome to the Get Clear with Crystal Ware podcast, the place where we get clear on our goals, own our worth, and learn to be the CEOs of our own lives. I'm your host, Crystal Ware, lawyer and former Fortune 500 corporate leader who found the confidence to say goodbye to a lucrative career and start my own business. Now I'm opening up the playbook and sharing everything I've learned to get you there faster. It may not be easy, but it will always be worth it because you are made for more. So put on your big girl pants, jump on board, and let's reach for the stars. Are you ready to get clear? Today on the show, we have so much to talk about. We have Lauren Widrick, who is the founder of Grab Your Life by the Goals, a movement designed to make your goals unfuckable with. Her superpower is goal activation, and her secret sauce is bringing fun, irreverence, community, and proven frameworks to your goals. She leads an elite coaching community called the Grab Life by the Goals Squad with members that are nationwide and hosts an annual summit that has been described as otherworldly and better than Oprah. She's a coach, course creator, speaker, journal author, and stand-up comedian. Can you find somebody else with all of those things in one package? I do not think so. She's also a wife, mom, living proof that you can thrive in all areas of your life and have an amazing, amazing career while doing it. And that is exactly why I wanted to have Lauren on the show so we could have another shining example of how you do that. So as I always like to do, welcome and let's jump into your background. I would love to. And thank you for reading off that intro so I didn't have to. Sometimes it's so hard when a podcast host is like, so just tell everybody about yourself and you have to kind of rattle it all off. So thank you for doing that for me. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I mean, summarizing what you've done in all the years into, you know, like three sentences is always a difficult thing. And when you have to rattle it back and you're like, I, I do the same thing. Like, what do I want to say? What does this audience care about? Um, but with all that in mind and what you're doing now, and just giving that succinct summary of where you're at in your life now, let us know where you started because you weren't always where you are at today. You started your career like so many of us in corporate. So kind of give us that background. How did you get into what you were doing? And then where did your kind of epiphany come? They're like, wow, this isn't exactly where I want to be in the future. Yeah, I think I'll start with that epiphany moment because so many people who are listening to this podcast and that we each work with are having what I call the millennial life crisis. Yes. And you don't have to literally be a millennial. But I find that when you're around 40, give or take, like literally give or take 10 years, you find yourself 10, 20 years into a career and realizing, oh my God, I've got 20, 30 years left. And so that excitement that you have when you first get out of college and you're climbing the corporate ladder and you will do whatever it takes to climb that ladder, you kind of pick your head up like I did. And I was in this high level leadership position in investment banking technology. So an impressive career. I was a young female tech leader in the commodities trading desk, big, important job. But when I picked my head up, I was like, what am I doing? How did I get here? I didn't even mean to get here. And so many people I meet have that same sensation of I'm making a lot of money. I have a lot of prestige. I you know, have a lot of benefits. I run a big team. I should be happier. And why aren't I? So I had a full on like mental breakdown, like a menti B, as the kids call it on Instagram. I had a menti B and did not know what I was doing with my life. 
And so I went on a limb. I was so desperate and broken that I ended up hiring a life coach, which at the time, again, I came from the left-brained world of investment banking. That sounded weird and fluffy to me, but I was so lost. I was just grasping for something. And so I hired this amazing woman who changed my life within like a month. Within a month, she was like, what do you really want to do? And I'd never want to ask myself that question in all of my 30 whatever years. And that was the moment that changed everything. Yeah, I'm, I'm writing that down so I can remind myself later for our quotable, tweetable moments because we just started off with a bang, you guys. That should just show you where we're going with this. But that big, big question, what do you want to do with your life? Looms ahead of all of us. And I feel like it, ha- it looms there when we're in high school, when we're in college, when we graduate, when we're in our 20s, our 30s, our 40s, our 50s, even our 60s. And we don't address it because it feels like too scary to acknowledge what our real feelings are, what our real truth is, because we don't believe we can actually achieve it. That's what I think. I think that's why people just keep going in these careers, which you said, I'm making a lot of money. I have this big prestigious job. I'm important. I have a fancy title, but I'm not fulfilled. I'm not satisfied. What is that one question that I need to answer? And then how can I unlock the path to alignment? And I think that we have to pause and stop there so that people can really think about that. Because I I just really feel and what I see out there is that people go along with what they're doing and totally ignore that feeling because it's so scary. They're just so fearful that they cannot achieve what their heart truly desires. And that is precisely why these conversations and being an example and leading with our content and leading with our story on LinkedIn and other places is so important for people to see that you can do it no matter where you are, who you are, what is your background and what your goals are. And so you hired a coach to help get you there. What was that process like for you? Well, it was a leap of faith. I was very skeptical that this was going to be the thing that helped. But I always knew in the back of my mind, I wanted to help people figure out what the fuck they're doing with their lives. I mean, really, that's like one of the names of my webinars is WTF am I doing with my life? So I still, eight years later, I'm helping people with that question. And so she, her process was very simple. She was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, real talk, I want to do what you do but I'm not willing to take a step back financially or lifestyle-wise. You know, I have a big girl job and a big girl salary. Can I really replace it as a life coach? So this is objection number one or two that people have when it comes to chasing their dreams is time and money. So my big one was money. Will I be able to make enough money with my own business that, you know, as much as I do in investment banking? And it took not more than 30 minutes to map out some finances and a forecast to be like, oh, technically it's possible. Plus the coach I hired was making a six-figure salary with her coaching business. So I'm like, okay, great. It's possible for me. That objection has now been busted. What's the next objection? Time, right? I was working on the trading floor. I was traveling from Charlotte to New York City. Uh, I signed up for this coach training program that I had to fly to New York for that too. And I got unexpectedly pregnant two months after starting my business. And I had a three-year-old at the time. So there was quote unquote, no time. However, we made it work. We made it work. Okay, what's the next objection? I'm going to fail. I'm not going to be able to do this. Well, let's start out by getting your first one, two, or three clients. So I got clients one, two, and three. And I'm like, okay, that objection is busted. I think I can do this. What's next? People are going to judge me. I'm known for being this young female tech leader. That's my identity. Are people gonna think I've run off to join the circus by becoming a life coach? 
Well, we had to work through that. Like that's just internal work, right? That's just internal work on yourself. So bit by bit, week by week, we are breaking down these objections. And at the freaking end of it, I have a lucrative side hustle that became my vehicle out of corporate. So that, you know, leads right into one of the other kind of pre-mapped questions that I had. I mean, perfectly, you teed it up, is the time objection. But going in order, let's let's start with the money objection because I think that is what a lot... I mean, I had to come to terms with that. I call it the silver handcuffs, right? Like I wasn't in the seven-figure range, but I had a very, 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 very nice high six-figure salary uh, and package. And so I call that the silver handcuffs. It was not easy to walk away. And I think that's the other thing that once you're especially a highly educated, you know, let's call it middle-aged lady, you know, middle 30s to 50, you're probably making a pretty decent salary. And no matter what your spouse is making, a lucrative six-figure salary is still meaningful to the pie. It does not matter unless your spouse is making $100 million. And guess what? Then you're probably not working. So realistically, (laughs) your contribution is meaningful and it gives you a sense of value. So um, you tackled that by seeing that you you could recreate that. But for people that might need a gap, that may need to take a step back and whatever they want to do for a month, two months, three months, six months, how do you recommend people get over that. Yeah. I have a literal tool for this. You can download it from my website. It's called laurenwidrick.com slash freedom fund calculator. So I'm going to, I know you're a finance person. I'm going to talk through this for a second, but before I dig into the freedom fund calculator, I want to preface this by saying I escaped corporate for entrepreneurship. I've helped over 150 people do the same, but I don't believe that's the only path to health, wealth, and happiness. Okay. So we're going to talk a minute about escaping corporate, but I want to then pivot to staying in corporate and thriving there because there is more than one path to success. Absolutely. So getting back to escaping corporate, I here's how it went for me. My husband walked me through this. Even though I was in investment banking, he was the one that like put pen to paper. I wanted to just quit. After I got my first few clients, I was like, this is on like Donkey Kong. I'm going to be a millionaire. I want to quit in two months. And he was like, yo, (laughs) we have a kid in daycare. We have a mortgage. We have car payments. We have a second baby coming. Like you can't just quit. And I was like, what? Do you not believe in me? Do you not think I can do this? He's like, no, I do. But we cannot lose our house. Like we are not going to lose our house over this or lose lose our lifestyle over it. Okay, fine. What's it going to take? So the conversation that I have people ask themselves is what would have to be true financially for you to resign? And for, to make it simple, for most of my clients, it's something like six months salary liquid in the bank. Okay. So I want to dispel a myth. A lot of side hustlers say I will quit as soon as my side hustle income matches my salary. And for those of us making 250, 350 plus, that is not going to happen. Because in order to make 40 grand in a side hustle, you're going to have to be working pretty much full time in that business. In addition to your full time corporate job. So that math ain't math in, right? So what I say is let's forecast out six months liquid right? So let's say you need $50,000 to quit, right? $50,000. That's $4,000 a month for a year. So what I would have you do is side hustle for a year and make $4,000, stash all of that into a bank account so that when you quit, you have a floaty fund, you have a slush fund, right? And for those six months, you can live off of that while your side hustle ramps up to main hustle status. 
it's a responsible exit that does incorporate some risk, right? Like you're taking the leap, but you have some money. You have a little bit of safety net under you. Yeah. And you know what? I think that gets to the psychology of it. It's like, do you want it bad enough? Where you are, is it uncomfortable enough to push you into taking action that will lead to your ultimate goal? And I think that some people are 10%, 20%, 30% uncomfortable and unhappy. For me, that's enough to be like, jump, get out of there, girl, do something else. You should be 100% happy. You should be thrilled with what you're doing and where you're going. But for a lot of people, that's not enough. They, they would rather be uncomfortable and yet financially comfortable. And to me, and I'm not a person that talks about like, let's cut out your Starbucks and let's save $5 here. I'm like, let's make more money. And then you have plenty to spend. You just need to focus on your savings goal. And it's all about how much you make. You don't need to cut money. But if you really are uncomfortable and unhappy with where you are, to get to what Lauren's talking about, you might have to cut a little bit. You might have to sacrifice a little bit. Like if you're a person making 80 or 90 grand, you can still save three to $4,000 a month. It is totally possible, but you might have to get a little uncomfortable to do that. And are you willing to do that so that in 12 months, in 18 months, in two or three or four years, you have snowballed into far exceeding your actual income and doing something you love while you're making money. So those are the kind of things I want people to also think about when it comes to money and lifestyle and where you're going to achieve your goals. Um, Because you can sit around and complain all day, but if you're not willing to do something different, you're just causing yourself more angst. Get happy with where you are. And in fact, leading right into your next point, taking your side hustle and making it a true business and being a business owner entrepreneur is one way to get there. But there's also plenty of ways to thrive in your nine to five, okay? And I am not anti-corporate at all. It wasn't a working for me because I had a different way that I wanted to live uh, that isn't really conducive. I didn't want anybody bossing me around. (laughs) That's really the fact of it. I like to be the boss. I like to say control. And now my company just got acquired. So technically I'll be back in corporate, but my role is is in sales. So like, if you're hitting your things, nobody's really going to be bossing you around. Um, so let's move on to that. Like, what do we do to thrive in our nine to five? I mean, I know I have a bunch of ways, but you're the guest. You tell me what you think. Yeah, I'm guessing they're going to be similar because you and I seem to share a brain on a lot of these things. Yes. I, when I was doing mostly career coaching, which I did. So I'll, I'll give you guys my eight year trajectory. It was like two years life coaching two years career coaching, two years pure entrepreneurship coaching, and now two years of like (laughs) thrive in all areas of life coaching. So I spent two years doing mostly executive coaching. And I ran this workshop called uh, Love It or List It. And it was just like that show on HGTV. So these people live in a house that's no longer working for them. So the options are make the house you live in fixable by renovating some rooms or move to a new house. And I cannot tell you how many times that people would come to this workshop and be like, I need a new freaking job. And by the end of the love it or list it, they're like, actually, I don't. The job I have actually ticks eight of the 10 boxes I'm looking for. There's only two things I need to renovate. I need to renovate my working hours and my communication with my boss. If these two things could be renovated, like the kitchen and the bathroom, I could stay. And then other people were like, oh my God, I thought I was comfortable, but this house is not going to work for me much longer. I need a net new house. That 
I'm writing down you guys, because the way you phrase that is just so killer. And I couldn't agree more taking the theory of love it or list it. And I do absolutely agree with you. And because we do share a brain, what I think, especially for women in the statistics that I've read, you know, is 75% of people or something like that, women are unhappy with their job. But only 20 or 30% of people are willing to go and negotiate things about their job. So if you're going to love it, and you better try to love it if you're not going to list it, if you're not willing to go out and get a new job, if you're not willing to do the work, or if you're just really comfortable where you are, find a way to love it. And oftentimes, I think when you're underpaid and or undervalued, that taints every interaction, everything you do with your boss, everything you do with your colleagues, all the extra projects that you're getting, projects that could highlight your career, that could shine you in a new light, you are internalizing them negatively because you don't feel valued and you're not being paid your worth. So if you rehab that, then you could potentially love where you're at or you could find a new role at the same company. That's possible too, but it takes a little effort. And so, yeah, I think there's a lot that people can do. And also, I really think that wealth can be built in nine to five. So if it works for you and you have a path, like there's no reason, you know, a lot of people are more risk averse than you and I. So uh, I think about it in the law of numbers, you're looking at a pie of 100%. It's probably only like 65 or 75, uh, 65 or 75, if I could get the numbers right, 65 to 70%. About two thirds of people are going to really feel more comfortable staying in corporate. So the other third might want to do something different, might have a different lifestyle, entrepreneurial spirit, something else that is driving them. But for those other two thirds, there is a way to build a career that you love, that works for you, whether it's pay, whether it's remote work, whether it's the hours that you're talking about. Those are all amazing tools that you have at your disposal if you're willing to do the work, if you're willing to grab your goals. Oh my gosh. Grab life by the goals. That's what it is. Okay. I'm going to tell some crazy stories here because I put this post on LinkedIn a week or two ago called top 10 batshit crazy things I did in my career. And my deep belief is you don't need to do more work. You need to be more brave. Yes. You can literally circumvent 18 months of grinding for a promotion in a single conversation because I did it so many times. My first promotion was nine months out of college. So I was a plebeian. I was a junior software analyst uh, digging for bugs in software code. And I overheard two dudes in an elevator talking about some software release that went sideways because a defect made it out to production. And I just piped up in that elevator and was like, oh yeah, that's costly. If you would have caught that earlier in the software development lifecycle, you would have saved 90% cost on correcting that defect. Just boom, just fucking said it to these people. That guy pulled me in his office and offered me a promotion like the next day. And I got my first little $10,000 raise and it was all because I spoke up. And I have so many stories like this. I got my first um, my first big, big promotion on the middle of my maternity leave. So not before, not after, in the middle. Because when I had my first baby, I was managing a team of six people. And I sat down with my boss and told him I was pregnant with a Gantt chart and was like, look, we have something like seven months here, okay? So here's what's gonna happen between now and the next seven months. I'm going to be delegating everything to Brian, who was my number, like my number two lieutenant, right? 
And when I return from maternity leave, if the team has run as smooth as it did when I was here, I want a bigger team because Brian can handle my current team and I want more people. And he said, yes. So on week six of my maternity leave, I'm breast pumping. I get a phone call from my boss and I'm like, this could go one of two ways. Either everything's falling apart or I'm getting that promotion. And it was the latter. I got the promotion on freaking maternity leave. And then same thing, like I worked in investment banking during the 2008 banking crisis. So I worked at Wachovia Bank. That's where I started my career. Wachovia was swallowed up by uh, Wells Fargo in the whole 2008 craziness. And I just raised my hand and I was like, who, like who's leading the commodities technology merger? And there was nobody, like I was like a project management something, you know, like a mid-level leader in project management. They were like, you. (laughs) And so I led that thing. And nine months later, I went from managing that team of 20-some to managing a team of 60-some on three continents. I could go on. I got so many off-cycle raises because I would just sit down and say, look, here's here's what, here's the return on the investment for the whatever, 20,000, 50, whatever the raise was. I was like, you're going to get multiples of that back. And so I just, for any woman who is afraid to put their hat in the ring, to raise their hand for the project, to pitch their boss on, oh, I pitched my boss on remote work on the trading floor way before COVID. I was the only person on the trading floor that had a remote schedule. So you just have to freaking ask. Yes. (laughs) You don't need more time. You don't need more work. You just need bigger balls is what I say. I just want to pause and say thank you to all the amazing people tuning in and making this show a success. And to share some exciting scoop, I am opening up for the first time ever one-on-one coaching. We have two options available, the Executive Edge two-week program and the Career Catalyst six-week program, which will use my proprietary Earn It framework. If you're ready to propel your professional journey, crush your salary goals, or need someone to coach you through a big career decision, let's conquer it together. Limited spots for unlimited empowerment. Links to sign up will be in the show notes and in the link tree on my Instagram and LinkedIn site. See you there. It is speaking up for yourself. It's making the ask. There is so much gold to be had in there. And I don't know if my parents taught me that or where it really came from. I I don't know if I was born with it, but I've always had that feeling like, what's the worst they can say? It's no. Okay. So where are you? You're at status quo. You got to get beyond the fear to ask. You got to get it beyond the fear of somebody saying no, the fear of rejection, if that feels that way to you, because it's just, it's not rejection. It's just status quo. But you also highlighted something else that I think is really key for people to understand. You can't just blow in there and ask your boss like, oh my God, look how amazing I am. I think I need a 25% raise. No, you need some data. You need some statistics. You need to come with something. And one of the other things that I see women making a lot of mistakes at is just not raising their hand, not going into their off, you know, their uh, supervisor or their colleague or whoever, you know, in other departments and saying, you know what, I want opportunities. I want a new project. I want to work on this. Like be very specific and intentional on what you want to work with. Um, for myself, that's what I did in my career when I moved from practicing law into insurance and wanted to have a full life cycle experience. I knew after I got claims experience that I needed to get broking experience. So I strategically went in and made a plan. And not only did I make a plan, but I knew who I wanted to work with because I knew what the work life balance would be like. I knew the kind of support I would get and I knew the team that I would be working with. So while 
many other people in the group would have liked to have me on their team. I was very strategic in the background because I didn't want a really, really high up VP to ask me to be on their team. And I knew this like culture is not going to be right for me. And then you have to say no. So I was in the background playing the chess game and putting it together and thinking about where you're going to go. And in doing that, I really was able to craft a career that I loved. And along the way, you know, moved alongside any drama or other difficulties that other people may have experienced. So, you know, if you just sit by and let life happen to you, you're going to have one kind of life. If you get out there and make shit happen, then you're going to really be able to love what you're doing and who you're doing it with. Oh my God. I'm like on fire listening to your stories. And I love that you said playing the chess game. If anybody takes one thing from this episode, it's are you playing checkers or are you playing chess? Like, are you just trying to get through this quarter or get through this week? Or is the hard work and the blood, sweat and tears you're doing moving you like eight steps ahead down the road? So that lesson that you just said, like, I love that crystal. And it applies to entrepreneurship. It applies to corporate careers. I think it applies to life. Like, are we playing checkers? Or are we playing chess here? Yeah. And it's, and you know what? It's okay if we look inside ourselves because there are some people in my life, some women in my life that I love that are very close to me and they are fine playing checkers. And if that's you, I'm not here to judge. I'm not here. But I think that a lot of the people listening in right now, a lot of the people that are reading my posts on LinkedIn, connected with me on Instagram are the people that want to grow, that want more, that know that they're made for more. And so that's why I'm speaking out about that. It's definitely not to make other people feel bad because at times I have ask myself, to be honest, why can't you be a normal person? Why can't you just accept where you are and want the status quo? Life would be simpler. Um, But I'm just not built that way. And so that's what I like to show people is like, how do you get out of that? How do you have that mentality without being in the rat race? How do you grow in your financial situation and your career, but also being that really present mom and wife that I really want to be? So all this to say, you know, if you are playing checkers, hey, you do you. There is a time and a place. And I promise you, I was very thankful for having people on my team that just wanted to play checkers. They just wanted to make the donut and go home. And I was totally okay with those people. We need those people too. Um, so th- I wanted to circle back when you were talking about the millennial life crisis, because I love that. And sometimes I still feel like I'm in mine. I even was telling my husband that the other day of like, really, where, where am I going? What am I doing? I mean, I know in the big picture where I'm headed, but in the small m- micro moments, you're like, sometimes you're thinking, where, what am I doing? Uh, and I read something one day that said, if you're not asking yourself, what the hell, then you're probably not doing it right. <laughs> so it gave me a little comfort, but talk to us a little bit more about what you see and feel from other people in the millennial life crisis, because I think, I think that's pretty common. You know, I think we're seeing that a lot. And I for sure would have never thought that I, I likened it the other day. It's like, I think I'm in that phase where like in the seventies and eighties, I would have been the man, you know, looking for the Corvette, but I'm really like the woman, <laughs> I'm like really the woman looking for a 35 hour work week to uh, stimulate my brain and do something I love. And then, you know, be the, you know, Molly homemaker the other time. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is, um, Again, I'm using the term millennial loosely and I'm an elder millennial. I'm 40 right now as we're recording this. But point being, when I came out of college, it was old school, right? I was like, I'm going to work my way up the corporate ladder and I'm going to do this until I'm 65 and I'm going to have a C in my job title. And like, that was the plan. On the opposite of the spectrum, we've got kids now coming out of college that want to be like, 
YouTubers and part-time freelancers and do whatever they want, right? And so we are like trapped in the middle because a little, I, I feel a little bit of that pull to like not be put into a box, but I also still crave traditional success and income and, and prestige and all of the things that we wanted at the beginning. So we're kind of trapped in the middle, but I say, this is how the millennial life crisis manifests. One, you have no clue what you want to do with your life. So you're saying things like, I don't know what I want. I just know it's not this. So that was me, right? I was like, I have worked for 15, 20 years on this like badass corporate career. I literally don't even know what else I want to do. And so I hired a life coach and I was like, I think it's like roughly what you do. And so I kind of went down that path. The other way it manifests is knowing exactly what you want to do and feeling like there's no, feeling like there's no possible way you can have it. So like wanting to have your own business or be a digital nomad or have a different non-traditional relationship. Like you want this thing. You might want wild amounts of wealth, but you're just like, that. I can't. It's not in the cards for me because I don't have the time, money, resources, skills, support, whatever. So it's figuring out what you want. And I have a process for that. It's called the Grab Life by the Goals Method. And there's a very specific uh, exercise I walk you through to, to create your life vision. And then there's people like, I know what I want. I want to be an international speaker. I want to get paid fifty dollars to $100,000 a month to speak on stages. I just don't think that's possible for me. And I'm like, ooh, we're going to have fun with both of these. We're going to have fun with both of these. <laughs> so is that how you see things too, Crystal? Yeah. I, I, I think that it's just, like you said, very difficult for people to see. We were raised in an era where it was like, get a good corporate job, follow the path. There is a trajectory. There's this traditional plan. And either way you you spin it, whether it's staying in corporate or going the other way, how do I really get there? And is this really what I want? I mean, those are the really the two big questions you have to ask yourself. And I think the brilliant thing is, is that there are resources out there for you. You just have to find them and align yourself. And I think that is also why it's just so important in the grand scheme for people to ask the questions, to associate themselves, to find the methodology, to find the people that are going to help them get there, whether it's mentors, mentees, uh, support groups, whatever it is. Okay. Well, now totally turning the topic a little bit to something else really, really practical that I know you do so well that I think could be really helpful for people out there, uh, especially busy moms, entrepreneurs, uh, whatever, is how do you time block to most manage? And then can you apply that to somebody that wants to build a side hustle? I'm laughing because I am horrible at time management. This is not my forte. <laughs> but you block. But, but you block. Not right? really. Like, okay, block. so here's the thing. I am so bad at time management. I have really bad ADHD. I am an Enneagram 7, which means I'm like turned on by a new idea every hour. So I get help with this. One, the first hire I ever made in my business was a COO, like a fractional COO to help keep my shit straight. Because if I am left to my own devices, I will ideate, I will make weird content, I will just run around like a chicken with my head cut off. So I have people help me, uh, like coaches and a COO to like iron out my priorities and then check on me on a weekly basis to make sure those things are happening. Yeah, I mean, it's, I look, the reason I asked the question is selfishly, right? Because it's the same and this just proves how we're the same person. I am so, so consistent and like, I will get my stuff done but maybe it's going to be at the ninth hour if I am like interested over here or a squirrel chasing a nut over here. And I do the same thing. And I have been thinking about this 
very religiously recently in how am I going to get better about, I'm going to create my content. I am going to do my main job these days and at these times. And I will only answer my emails at these times uh, because I am all over the place sometimes. And I think, so I guess the lesson here, people is if you're weak at this, find a way to block it out. I wrote myself out a schedule one day. I have not been sticking to it. I'm still trying to play around with how I'm going to stick with it. But there is a way. And I love what else you said there because I really, really believe in this. And when I talk numbers about what I want to do and what I call... I don't call it my side hustle. I call it my digital business. What do I want to achieve in that? What do I want to go with that? Most of the time, it's not because I need to have personally a seven-figure salary. Hello, if it gets there, great. All of you, my friends and family, I'll be taking you on trips. But what I need is enough money to hire a personal assistant. That is really what I am driving at with my income. And I know the person and I know who I want to hire. And she knows uh, I'm just waiting to hit the number so that I can get her because she will keep shit straight and organized and make sure nothing is missed and that my podcast doesn't get uploaded late. (laughs) But yeah, um, it's so funny because... My perception of you working with you is that you're very organized and you have your time management down, which is why I asked the question. (laughs) I'm laughing. Like, so I had this philosophy as a corporate leader and I have it in business now. Double down on your strengths and delegate your weaknesses. I love it. And I echo that. And I think the more that we see coming out in the sports world and the training world, that is what people are talking about. We don't want to spend 80% of our time improving our weaknesses when we can spend 80% of our time, you know, exponentially growing our strengths and then a little bit of time smoothing over our weaknesses. And that is it. And that is what I've learned. And I'm very, very clear on for myself is what I enjoy doing and what I don't enjoy doing, what I'm good at and what I'm not good at. And who can I align with that can help me with the things that I don't like or that I'm not necessarily good at. Okay, so two pop quiz questions for you, Lauren. One, what is the top one, two, or three books you think for women that want to grow in their career, you know, world, whatever? Okay, I'll give two. The first is called 10X is Easier Than 2X by Dan Sullivan and Dr. Benjamin Hardy. And it's exactly what we were talking about and has example after example after example of bravery over work, Focusing on the 20% that gets 80% of the results. It's really good read. The second, this is as much for my corporate ladies as anyone else, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. So when I was doing executive coaching, all of these people were wound so tight around the axle of things that did not matter. We're not moving the needle. And I was like, you're giving way too many fucks about things that don't matter, right? And so all of them resisted it. And they were like, I don't like the title of this book. I do give a fuck about my career. And I'm like, that's not what the book is saying. It's saying reserve your precious fucks for the things that actually make a difference and just let the rest go. You don't have to go to every status meeting. You don't have to like do every bullshit assignment. Like just focus in on what matters and say no or maybe later to the rest of it. And I will also add to that, that if you can get good at doing that being a mom, your life as a mother will be better as well. For example, the kid throwing a fit at the grocery store let them throw the fit. Let them embarrass yourself. It's not you. It's them. And they will learn. And eventually they will be embarrassed. You don't need to be embarrassed for them. You don't need to get upset for them. 
Okay. So the last question, if you were going to write a book, what would it be called and why? It would be called Grab Life by the Goals. It's already on my damn vision board. So (laughs) I've published an early version of it on Amazon. You can go buy it. So if you go to Amazon, you can plug in Grab Life by the Goals. It is a 12-week guided journal and it takes you through my 12-step process for goal setting and execution. But my dream is to turn it into a proper book, like a a funny-ass book of essays. Yeah, so it's going to be called Grab Life by the Goals. I don't know what year it's going to be published, but probably in the next three years. Lauren, this has been absolutely fire. So amazing. I just think this is exactly what I want women to hear and see and, you know, have the influence and the inspiration from other people because we've got to talk about these hard things so that people can get to the success, hit their goals the way they want to. I know that everybody can achieve their goals. If you dream it, if you believe it, you can make it happen. I know that everybody out there is made for more. And this is exactly what we need to get you the more that you're looking for. So thank you so much for being here. Tell people where they can find you, where you'd like them to find you. We'll have all your information otherwise in the show notes. Yes, I'd say uh, come find me on LinkedIn. That's where Crystal and I initially found each other. So just search up Lauren Widrick on LinkedIn, Lauren Widrick on Instagram or laurenwidrick.com. And Crystal, I want to thank you for creating this amazing podcast and showcasing examples of people who did the damn thing and for you doing it too and leading by example. So I'm leaving this podcast so inspired by you and I just want to share my appreciation for you. Oh, I appreciate it. Well, we will do this again. Ladies, definitely follow Lauren. She has so much amazing thing. I always look at it as like totally synergistic, you know, we've got the synergy. We've got the synergy of what we do and how we bring it totally complimentary. Um, So if you like what I'm doing, you definitely love what she's doing. Thank you for being an amazing guest. Remember, keep getting clear on your goals. You're made for more, own your worth and get what you deserve. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you wanna create a career you love, get the salary you deserve and build the confidence to live life on your own terms, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll get actionable tips to raise your worth, build your wealth, create freedom, and create a life you absolutely love. Head over to crystalwaremedia.com to sign up or click the link in the show notes and join thousands of others making their dreams a reality. Whether you are just embarking on the journey or well on your way, the Worthful newsletter has something for you. See you next week.